Let's be honest. We all love a good story with a happy ending. Whether it's a movie or a book, it is the hope that everything will turn out okay in the end that keeps us going, especially through the dark and the bleak moments of the story. But if the story ends abruptly, or without that happily ever after, it leaves us deflated. This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. And the same is true in real life too, isn't it? Particularly in the current days we live in, so affected by the corona crisis. We're all crossing our fingers in the hope that everything will be okay in the end. We hope these days will be short-lived. We want our lives to get back to normal. We hope that the kids can go back to school soon. We want to be allowed out to enjoy the sunshine. We want to eat out at a restaurant or get a takeaway. More importantly, we want a vaccine to be found. We want our loved ones to make it through this. The hope of a happy ending is what keeps us going even when the news is bad, when the future is uncertain and when life is painful and hard. Within all of us, there is that need to believe that things will work out for good in the end, that good will overcome evil, that all wrongs will be righted, that there will be a happily ever after. And that is why Easter is such good news. Let me explain. The Gospel of John is an account about the life of Jesus, the things that he said and the things that he did some 2000 years ago. Almost half of this biography, from chapter 12 to the end, is about the last week of Jesus's life. And during those same chapters, the tension has been building as the author John shows us the growing hatred and opposition to Jesus from the Jewish religious leaders. And it recounts their murderous plot to get rid of this troublemaker once and for all. In John chapters 18 and 19, we hear how Jesus is arrested then tried in a kangaroo court and pronounced guilty of insurrection and blasphemy. The story then puts us in the crowd of onlookers who watch as Jesus is led away by Roman soldiers to a hill outside of Jerusalem to face execution. We watch as his arms are stretched wide and nails are driven through his hands and his feet. We see him lifted up on a cross. We watch as he fights for breath, suspended between heaven and earth, eventually giving in to death. We witness the moment several hours later where the soldiers thrust the spear into his side to make sure that he is truly dead. And if we wait around long enough, the story allows us to follow two men, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, as they take Jesus's dead body down from the cross, wrap it in strips of linen, and carry his corpse to a nearby tomb, where they heave a massive stone across the entrance to shut it off from the outside world. Now, what has happened? This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Jerusalem at the time was throbbing as tens of thousands of Jews had descended upon the city to celebrate the annual Passover festival. This seven day long celebration was in full swing but for the friends and the family of Jesus, it was a long and a lonely weekend. They had watched Jesus be condemned and crucified. It wasn't just that they had lost someone they loved. It was that all their dreams had been shattered. 
The things that Jesus had said and done had made them dare to dream that he was the true king whom God had promised from long ago. And at the supper with his friends on Thursday night, Jesus said he had to go away to die and that his dying would put everything right. But it, it didn't. It just seemed to have made everything worse. Everything was wrong. God's king was supposed to conquer death and be the king. But less than 24 hours after that supper, Jesus's body was now lying cold and lifeless in a grave. He couldn't possibly be the true king. Not now. All that was left for them was to mourn his passing and go back to their old lives, to get out their nets and go back to fishing. Now, imagine if John had finished the story at this point. Like the opening video where the story stops immediately after the beast dies in the arms of Bell, it would be a sad and a hopeless ending. The tragedy of a life that promised so much, but ended in betrayal, arrest, an unjust trial and a gruesome death. If the story had finished here, it would mean that Jesus's death on the cross was pointless and that his mission on earth to rescue men and women like you and me from our sins and restore us back to God would have completely failed. If the story had finished here, death would have had the final and decisive word in Jesus's life and in the lives of every single person who's lived in your life and in mine too. We would be without any real hope for today or tomorrow. But wonderfully, John continues the story beyond Jesus's death and burial. Let's read together from verses 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still there, lying in its place, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and he saw and believed. Though they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Then Jesus said to her, 
Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Then Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Then Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Early on a Sunday, while it was still dark, a lady called Mary goes to the tomb of Jesus, probably to prepare his body with spices and ointment for a proper burial. But when she arrives, she discovers the stone used to seal off the entrance has been removed. She didn't look inside, but probably fears the worst and races back to Peter and John, some of Jesus's closest friends, to tell them in verse two, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and I don't know where they have put him. Who are the they? Maybe it's the Roman officials or the Jewish religious leaders. Maybe it was grave robbers, which was not uncommon at the time. So Peter, John and Mary rush back to the tomb, desperate to find out what has happened to the body of their friend. John gets there first and stops to look into the tomb from the entrance. He sees the strips of linen that Jesus had been wrapped in. Then Peter arrives a few minutes later, obviously a slower runner than John, and he barges straight into the tomb and sees the strips of linen, but goes further in and round the corner and notices the burial cloth that had covered Jesus's head. It was neatly folded up on the side away from everything else. If this was grave robbers, why did they go to the trouble of carefully unwrapping the body and folding everything up? Why isn't everything strewn everywhere like the usual scene at a burglary? In verses eight and nine, we get a glimpse that all is not as it first appears. John is cornered by the facts, an empty tomb, no body, yet grave clothes that are still there, set aside neatly as if someone who no longer had any need for them. This isn't the scene of a crime. This is the scene of a resurrection. He and Peter leave, chewing over everything they have seen, trying to make sense of it all. Something has happened that meant they couldn't go back to fishing. Something convinced them that God was at work, that God was fulfilling promises of old, and that perhaps the crucified Jesus was, in fact, God's true king. Then in verse 11, we're back outside the tomb with Mary, alone confused and weeping. She had to come to the tomb that morning to honour Jesus by anointing his body with spices. But now it was gone and she's overcome with grief. She enters the tomb and encounters two strangers. John tells us that they were angels, but in that moment with her eyes full of tears, Mary doesn't realise it. The two strangers ask why Mary is crying. <laughs> now, you don't need to be Sherlock Holmes to work out why someone is crying in a graveyard. It's obvious. Jesus is dead and his body is gone without a trace. It is a bleak moment, a hopeless moment, a heartbreaking moment. Now imagine if the story ended there. We'd be left with no answers and no comfort in the face of the death of loved ones. Usually most of us try our best to avoid thinking about death, either on our own death 
or that of someone that we love because it's just too painful and too heartbreaking to contemplate. We prefer to bury our heads in the sand and ignore death, pretending that if we don't dwell on it, when maybe, just maybe, we can escape it. But that is becoming increasingly difficult in the current days and situation. Every day we get the latest report of the numbers of people who have tragically and sadly lost their lives to coronavirus. The coronavirus seems to be creeping ever closer to us, affecting people that we know and love. It can sometimes feel that it's breathing down our necks. The daily 10 Downing Street briefing or the six o'clock news are poignant reminders that none of us are immortal. But Easter Sunday is good news. For Easter Sunday tells us that there is an answer to the heartbreaking reality of death. We cannot avoid it, but we can have hope even in the face of it. Death is heartbreaking, but it doesn't need to be hopeless. For death is not the end of John's story. In verse 14, Mary turns around, perhaps to leave and to go home, and she meets another man who asks her another question. Who is she looking for? It never occurred to her that this man at the entrance to the tomb could be Jesus. For the last time that she saw him, he had been battered and broken. She had watched him die and his dead body taken down from the cross and laid in this very tomb that she was in. No, to her, this was just the gardener. But then the man says something that changes everything. He calls her out by name. Mary. And in that moment, she recognizes him. It was Jesus. Jesus. Not a helpless Jesus staggering around, bleeding heavily and in urgent need of medical help. Not a fortunate Jesus who had had a near-death experience but narrowly escaped it. Not a lucky Jesus who had somehow been resuscitated or revived but a resurrected Jesus who had conquered death. A Jesus who had been raised from the dead to new life, never to die again. And in that instant, Mary's grief and her hopelessness and her heartbreak are transformed into happiness and joy. For on that first Easter, God did something that changes everything. Not just a change in circumstances for Mary, not just a change in the hearts of his disciples, but a change on a worldwide scale. Something that changes everything forever. God raised Jesus from the dead. God raised Jesus from the dead. The Jesus of Nazareth, whom we meet in the pages of John's Gospel. The same Jesus who died on a Roman cross to bear the judgment and the punishment that you and I deserve for all of the many things that we have done wrong and the countless ways in which we have failed to live rightly in obedience to God and instead rebelled against him and rejected him as our creator and our king. It's the same Jesus who willingly died in our place so that we might be saved. 
that we might have those many sins forgiven and be fully restored to a new relationship with the God who made us. This Jesus was dead, but now is alive. And he's alive today. In verse 17, Jesus says to Mary, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. The Jesus Mary was looking for was a Jesus who was her teacher and her friend. But Jesus tells her that he did not come to back to life just to keep on being a teacher and a friend. Throughout John's gospel, John has been emphasizing the fact that Jesus is the son of God who has come from the father in heaven. And now Jesus tells his disciples that the time has come for him to return to his father and take his rightful place on the throne of the universe. They had gotten their hopes up only to see them dashed when he was dead and buried. But the message that Jesus wants Mary to take to the others is this. Tell them I am returning to my rightful place. In other words, tell them that I am who I said I am. The Jesus we think of as the baby in the manger or the religious guru or the positive example of love or the man who was unjustly crucified at the hands of other evil men does in fact belong on the throne of the universe. He is God's true king. The resurrection proves that. In the opening chapter of John's gospel, the author has told us that Jesus came to give us the right to become the children of God. That's chapter one, verse 12. Now, in light of that, listen again to the message that Jesus tells Mary to take to the others. I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. Verse 17. In other words, he wants them to know that the cross was in no way, shape or form a failure. In fact, it was the exact opposite. It was a success. He had done what he came to do. By his death, he had secured salvation for sinners and restored people like you and me to the relationship with God for which we were created. Let me borrow a story from my friend Mike Kane to illustrate this. Now, imagine you are exploring some remote jungle and you are captured by some of the locals. They say that if you want to go free, you must fight the lion that lives in the cave on the edge of the village. If you defeat the lion, then in honor of your bravery, then you, you will be set free. It looks like you have no other choice. So you pluck up the courage, roll up your sleeves and you begin the slow walk to the cave. As you near it, a little man jumps out from behind a bush and says to you, tell you what, I'll fight the lion for you. I am Leonard, the world famous lion fighter, and I will kill this lion with my bare hands. It has to be said from the look of Leonard, it's unlikely, but you will try anything. So off Leonard goes in your place down into the cave. For as long as he is in the cave, you don't know if he is who he says he is or if he can do the things that he says he can do. He could be mad. Now, for as long as Jesus stays in the tomb, we don't know if he is able to do what he is, says he is able to do, or if he is who he says he is. 
he could just be mad. But as soon as Leonard emerges from the cave, dusting down his shirt and dragging the line behind him, you know that you can trust him. And you know that because of him, you now have a bright future. The fact that Jesus emerged from the tomb shows that we can trust him, that he is who he says he is and that he does what he said he would do. And because of him, we now know that we have a whole bright future. The good news of Easter Sunday is that a heaven sent hero has defeated sin and death on our behalf. And if we trust in him as our savior and king, we can have a life that goes beyond death, an eternal life, the greatest happily ever after, ever. Because Jesus died and rose again to new life, we can be sure that the hopelessness and the heartbreak of death is not the end, but actually the beginning of a new story, a better story, an eternal story. A story where all who trust in Jesus as saviour and king will be raised to new life, just as Jesus was, to an eternal life where death will be banished forever and everything will be made brand new. The resurrection means that this is not just wishful thinking. It's like seeing the first daffodils or tulips of the spring. There may be frosty mornings or rainy days ahead, but there's no going back. Summer is on the way. The resurrection assures us of a grand happily ever after in the eternal sunshine of a world made new. Now, maybe you're watching this and you're not a Christian. Firstly, thanks for listening in. My hope is that what you've heard will make sense to you. And my prayer is that wherever you are, you would turn to God in faith today, acknowledging you've ignored him and rejected him all of your life and lived apart from him and against him. And that you would ask him to forgive you of all of those sins that you have done on the basis of Jesus's work on the cross for you. And that you would bow to him as saviour and king of your life. If that's you and you want someone to talk to or to explore things further, then please do get in touch with us by the email on the screen right now. Info at gracechurchbristol.org. Most of us have more spare time than we will ever normally have. So why not invest some of that time to look more closely at who Jesus is and what he has done and what it means for you to trust him? We'd love to help you do that here at Grace Church. So please do get in touch with us via the email. We'd also love to be able to send you a full copy of John's Gospel so that you could read it for yourself. Now, maybe you are watching this and you are skeptical especially because of the questions you have about how God could allow something like the coronavirus to happen. If so, we would love to send you a free ebook called Coronavirus and Christ by John Piper that examines this very question. If you'd like a free copy, please do get in touch with us via the email again and we will send you one. We'd love to invite you all to join with us again. During the lockdown period, we are streaming services online here every Sunday at 11 a.m. And when this is all over, we will be back at Down in School every Sunday morning at 10.30. You would be very welcome to join us. We would love to meet you. So Easter Sunday is very good news. Very good news indeed. 
for it guarantees the ultimate happy ending to the story. And it is no fairy tale. For Jesus says in John 11, verse 25, without any doubts or hesitation, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Let me pray for us.